This is for Dead Arm Gary Parrish and Dead Leg Matt Norlander. Sick and Bears. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Sunday, January 12, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And I want to start with the question that dominated Twitter this weekend after Baylor, a.k.a. Terry Teagle's alma mater, went to Kansas and recorded its first ever win inside Allen Fieldhouse. And that question is this. Which team should be ranked number one by humans right now? In my opinion, and I, I think Norlander agrees, a reasonable case can be made for, for three schools, Gonzaga, Duke, Baylor. Now, if you want to argue in favor of the undefeated teams, Auburn, San Diego State, I suppose you can. Undefeated in January is undefeated in January. But for the most part, the argument seems to be between Gonzaga, Baylor, and Duke. And from my perspective, there is no obviously right answer. You can, I think, reasonably rank Gonzaga, Baylor, Duke, in any order. Norlander, I know you wrote about it Saturday night. I retweeted it so folks can find it on either of our Twitter feeds. Where are you on the topic of which team should be ranked number one right now? You are, you're so adorable. Do you know that? You're a cutie pie. Why do you say I love you. The last podcast, Mm -hmm. you may recall how it began. I do. I'm not going to play it all back. I mean, it just happened. It's not like the Wofford callback. That was months in between. We're just a mere days in between. But you got all huffy puffy. Mm. You got huffy puffy. Mm-hmm. You brought the huff and the puff to me, okay? Because mm-hmm. what did I have? What did I? What? Where did I have Baylor? I, I, where where, I, where I did I have don't... Kansas? I, I know you had Kansas at seven. That seemed to be the that seemed to be mm. the talking point. But I, and I had them below Baylor. Yeah, and you seemed to have you had a little bit of an issue with that, didn't you? I didn't think it was proper at the time, mm. as you know, because you're not a dummy. So I I know you know anything that happens after rankings are published has no impact whatsoever on whether those rankings made sense at the time. So. I, I understand all that, but how many times are we going to go cheek to cheek with this tango? How many times are you going to call me out on something mm. only to be wrong? Like, do you, is this what you want the podcast to be? <laughs> Will you give me other examples? Are you going to apologize to these men? And I name them now. Epe Udo, Manu LeCompte, Michael Williams, Curtis Durrells, David Wesley, Torian Prince. I'm going to keep going. Andre Branch, Lace Darius Dunn, Harvey Thomas, Brian Skinner, Rico Gathers, Wendell Greenleaf. You're familiar with Mr. Greenleaf, aren't you? Of course. Jonathan Motley, Kenny Cherry, Isaiah Austin, Tweety Carter, Brady Heslip, Perry Jones, Quincy Miller, Quincy AC and Terry M. Effin Teagle. Would you like to apologize to all of those men and to Baylor Nation for doubting me, for doubting them, for Baylor having arguably its biggest win in program history? Okay, first, first off, I do not find it necessary to apologize to Baylor because my argument about Kansas had literally nothing to do with Baylor. It was all about Kansas having six teams in front of it uh, last Thursday. So that's where that was. I always had a high opinion of Baylor, and I feel like I'm, 
Makai like Mason, Jared Butler, Mark <laughs> Vital, Mario Kegler. Can I keep going? I think. <laughs> dang, like dang. I Royce O'Neal, Lester Medford, Al Freeman. I feel like uh, among quote unquote national college basketball reporters, I'm the biggest Baylor cheerleader in uh, among us. I am the first one who stood up. It's popular to do now. And everybody like say, hey, Scott Drew's pretty great. Everybody does it now. But who was the first to write the column that said, you people out there making Scott Drew jokes are out of your mind. This guy is a consistent winner at a school where you're not supposed to be a consistent, a consistent winner. I was. And I don't know if you remember this, but I can, I can remember being – in the neonatal intensive care unit when my youngest boy was born and I'm ranking basketball teams <laughs> sitting next to an incubator. <laughs> By the way, that's true. And like think that the understand that you like you and most normal people take like paternity leave and I'm ranking basketball teams next to an incubator in a NICU. And I made Baylor number one. Once upon a time, back in the top 25 and one, and then made the case of why AP voters should do it. And if we can agree that week in and week out, I have an AP, I have an impact on the AP poll. The top 25 and one does with uh, working in, um, in connection with uh, the poll attacks. Baylor then subsequently moved to number one in the AP poll, I believe, for the first time in history. And obviously, credit goes to Scott Drew and to those players. But I feel like I played a role in it as well. I'm the biggest. Ba I'm like I'm, I'm should be wearing a Baylor cheerleading outfit right now. In fact, if I have one, I would. I put it on. Stargell Love, AJ Walton, <laughs> Perry Jones, Corey Jefferson, Aaron Bruce. All right, so we continue to move on here. Listen, I get all that. Just want to have a little fun with you, and uh, and I know some uh, some folks on the tweet machine were giving you a little bit of a little bit Ooh. of grief as well. But listen, just a, a little fun back and forth here as we start. Hey, let's. Let's get to the conversation of who should be number one because it's actually pretty interesting. But I, let's for Baylor. Listen, you get your first win at at Fog Allen ever. You get your first win on the road against a top five team in program history. You've been 0 24 leading into that. Your first win against a top five team as a top five team, and you now have started the season with five wins against quad one teams, and that doubles as we sit here on Sunday night as five wins against currently ranked opponents. From a resume perspective right now, I think Baylor indisputably has the best resume in college basketball, and with that, uh, if you want to slot Baylor number one, I have zero issue. I kind of had zero issue with, with Baylor, Duke, or Gonzaga. But I did write uh, kind of a quick like primer case file piece Saturday night about each of these teams. Um, I think you can make a compelling case for all of them. I even think if you really wanted to, you can make a case for San Diego State. And though it's not as good, even one for Butler, it's only loss though is at Baylor. And since they're both one-loss teams, I think Baylor just has to have the trump card at this point. Though Butler does have a very good resume, and I, in fact, would have Butler as a one seed. Just a matter of how you're going to assemble your case. Are you going to rank teams based off of how you would bracket and seed them? If that's the case, then Baylor should be your number one. I prefer to take a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, and that's have you know, you should use, you can and should use the results that we have, but also realize that predictive, predictive metrics, and we've known this for so long now, and now it's part of the, you know, everyday expectation of college basketball, they have value, and those metrics can help 
sort teams. And it's basically what Parrish does, which almost everyone does, whether they realize it consciously or not, because it's, for example, it's it's why, say, like a team like Liberty, even though it's got an 18-1 record, isn't really in anyone's top 25 at this point. So a little column A. And not even not even on anybody's top 25, it, like not even on the radar. Like when I'm right. looking at teams, like Saturday night slash Sunday morning, when I know I'm taking a team out, I guess it was Penn State, and I'm looking for other schools to, to go in, like I look at 15 schools. I don't. I never even looked at Liberty. Right, which is which is totally completely reasonable. So I'm just, you know, otherwise, because if you only look at um, at results only, uh, you're just relying on stuff on paper or on a screen, and that can almost get you backed into corners here. So that's why, to me, Duke feels like the best case for number one as of today. Uh, strongly rates as the best team in college basketball in most predictive metrics uh, and has plenty on the resume to support its case. The, bar- the margins, though, GP, they are slim. And as, as I said, uh, Butler and I mean Baylor and Gonzaga both have a case here. If we're going to have a real conversation, we both know that when the poll re- renews on Monday, Gonzaga is going to hold on to that number one spot. Voter behavior over decades has indicated that, and I don't really have a huge issue with it at all. I did read your top 25 and one from Sunday, and your reasoning is completely fair, by the way, because why should Gonzaga get punished for its league affiliation? I get that. If I was ranking, I would try and assemble some combination of resume and who I think the best team is. For me, that's Duke, but Baylor, good on you. Amazing start so far. I'll have more on you and Scott Drew and all that stuff on the site later this week and uh it is a compelling and fun discussion right here in the now i I agree with you baylor's got the best wins uh, at this point and by extension i think the best resume 13 and 1 12 game winning streak five wins over top 50 kimpom uh teams all five are actually over top 25 kimpom teams two of those wins are road wins five and oh in quadrant one opportunity six and one in q1 slash q2 opportunities the lone loss to washington on a neutral court, and it was way back on November 8th. So that's super strong. And I promise you, anybody who has Baylor, number one, on the AP ballot come Monday will not be at risk of of being um, the, the victim of a Politex column, assuming that I write it in the ballots or released yeah. on time. Uh, totally sensible to have Baylor number one. For the reasons you stated, also totally sensible to have Duke number one. Uh, sort of my bottom line on all this is that Gonzaga, Baylor, Duke should be one, two, three in some order, and you can probably do it reasonably in any order. But the reason I kept Gonzaga number one in the top 25 and one on Sunday morning, even though I knew it would get some backlash, because like I mentioned at the top, there was a strong push on social media, like Baylor just did this, Baylor's resume looks like this, Baylor should be number one. Um, the popular thing right now is not to have Gonzaga number one. But to, to remove Gonzaga from the top spot, and I'm not saying I would never do it. I, I don't want to back myself into a corner, but I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't like to do it, and I don't think I'll do it. Um, drop Gonzaga from number one without losing, because to do that is to essentially punish them for being a member of the West Coast Conference, which obviously is, is not their fault. You know, They play who they play in the league when the league tells them to play it. And all you can do, is, if you're Mark Few, is schedule as aggressively as you can schedule in the non-league. And then play your league schedule. And so what did he do? He agreed to be in the battle for Atlantis. That's an event that had Michigan, Oregon, North Carolina, and Seton Hall in it. Scheduled road games at Arizona and Washington. Scheduled a home game with a North Carolina team that was preseason top 10. Now that win doesn't look like anything right now. It doesn't help them. 
But but when you schedule it, you think you're having a game against you know North Carolina, which is year in and year out one of the best teams in the country. So he scheduled as aggressively as you can reasonably ask him to schedule in the non-league. And when all of those games were done, and we were looking at everything that had been done to that point, most humans said Gonzaga should be ranked number one in the country. And what's happened since then? Nothing but wins. They're on a 10-game winning streak. Um, They have won their four WCC games by an average of 21.8 points. So it's not like they're limping through or they had to go to overtime. They are mostly, they've mostly been overwhelming to inferior opposition. And I'm, I promise you, you can, you know, Mark, you could text him tonight. I, I bet you he'd love to have just played games against Texas Tech and Kansas this past week. He'd like to have his team challenged more in January, February, and March, but you, you, you can only play the WCC schedule when you're a WCC member. And that's why to drop Gonzaga at this point, in my opinion, would be to assume it isn't what we thought it was three weeks ago and to assume it couldn't do what these other power conference schools are doing if given the opportunity. So I elected to just keep Gonzaga number one. All right, so a quick note. just If you're going to do that, though, and we did mention Liberty, um, I think you should be fair to the Flames if they get a couple more, two of the next three on the road. And just as an example, like don't hold it against Liberty for its – conference as well because it doesn't have a great non-conference schedule i get all that. it does have 10 total neutral and road wins at this point and it doesn't have little control over that so 18 and 1 only loss at lsu defeated vanderbilt uh defeated akron which is a top 75 ken palm win so i would say if you're going to do that that's fine but if we look up in you know three four games here and liberty is at 21 and 1 or 22 and 1 uh, i would think if you were going to be consistent with that you should remain fair and and consider ranking them particularly because you know think of what you may i mean they're an ace on team that's a top 50 ken palm team at this point they're 24th in the net so that's that's the only thing that i would throw at your feet there yeah that's fair i mean listen when i say they're not even on my radar i don't mean like i don't know what the record is and i don't know what the quad one record is and quad two record is i just mean that they weren't under consideration on sunday morning they're Computer numbers are not as strong as Gonzaga's. Their non-league um, um, wins are not nearly as strong as Gonzaga's. They're not going to be able to get good wins within their league. But sure, like listen, the, the record is the record. Um, that team is playing well. It has climbed in the computers even without signature victories. Um, I, I just, uh, I guess I'd say this. You're exactly right. I should hold Liberty and Gonzaga to the same standard. But I don't think Liberty and Gonzaga are in the same conversation right now. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay. Um, all right. So I would go right now. I'd go Duke 1, Baylor 2, Gonzaga 3. Uh, and then if I was to expand it out, because actually, you know, I'd go – I think I'd go SDSU 4 and then Butler 5. Um, you're good with me having like Kansas seventh now, I presume, or eighth. Is that? <laughs> yes. okay. I almost dropped Kansas to seven <laughs> just to have them at seven yeah. based on everything we talked about last <laughs> week because I was so um, disturbed by you having them seven. But then when I dropped them, let, let me call it up real quick. I want to make sure I've got it exactly right. When I dropped them to seven, I had them seven just ahead of Butler. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should have Butler ahead of Kansas because you have to. Yeah, I mean, Butler went to Baylor and played them tight. Yeah. And Kansas got smoked by Baylor inside Allen Fieldhouse. I was like, yeah, I think ba- I think Butler should be above Kansas as well. So uh, I've got my top 
eight right now are Gonzaga, Baylor, Duke, Auburn, Oregon, San Diego State, Butler, and then Kansas at number eight. All right. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out here. Our listeners, you guys and gals, are terrific, and the podcast is going to a new level. Um, Parrish brought to my attention. I actually <laughs> saw this when I you sent it late Saturday night, so I saw it uh, after I woke up in the morning. Um, so this is this is Willie Molina on Instagram. <laughs> He's got a message for you and me. Here we go. This is for dead arm Gary Parrish and dead leg <laughs> Matt Norlander. Sick and bears. <laughs> Shouts to you, Willie. That's terrific. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw that the first time. I got a good chuckle this morning as well. Dead arm, Gary Parrish, <laughs> dead leg, Matt. Oh, how about this? As we, We'll move on a second here. By the way, I'm on good old The Wizard of Odds. Kenny White might even be listening to this right now. So I go on CBS Sports HQ Saturday morning on Sportsline, where you, we make a bunch of predictions against the spread and all that good stuff. And uh, Kenny White, the Wizard of Oz, who is Bryce Harper's high school baseball coach, I'm making a pick. Is that, that true, by the way? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yes. So, someone told it to me uh, like last like last March or April when I was uh, when we were doing stuff, and they were like, yeah, Kenny White coached Bryce Harper in high school. It was the most random thing ever. I was like, that is incredible, <laughs> actually. Um, I saw Bryce Harper at the CBS Sports Classic. I know we we've, we've we've gone over this. Anyway, the point is this. <laughs> so I make my pick. I I don't know what I, I well obviously I picked Baylor to cover. So let's say it was after Baylor, and Kenny White goes, and this is this is unprompted and obviously like I'm done talking. So now it's his segment here, and he goes, Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with Dead Leg Norlander there. And I'm like, <laughs> What are we doing? What? <laughs> And then he went on to explain that because the previous week I had made a couple of picks uh, against the spread, and he like wildly disagreed. And I was like, all right, you're just going to wait and see. And they, they wound up, of course, uh, being correct. And so then he was like, you were right on those picks. I had to give your guys' podcast a listen. So, you know, dead arm Parrish and dead leg Norlander, you guys are right on top of it. I was like, okay, this is extending outside the podcast universe. Shouts to you, Kenny White, if you are listening again, indeed, to this podcast. Appreciate being on HQ with you always. But, yes, huge weekend for Baylor. Um, a big weekend for a couple of teams, but Baylor, obviously, the biggest winner. In fact, and I'll put a little bow on this here, I saw Kevin Pauga, who um, – is the brains behind KPI, which is one of the six metrics NCAA selection committee uses on its team sheets as reference. He said that Baylor's win at Kansas uh, in his system was the most impressive, the strongest win of any team at any point this season, period. So that's the it rates as the best win in all of college basketball to this point. That's even above, say, Stephen F. Austin winning at Duke or Evansville winning at Kentucky. So good on you, BU, sitting pretty. And, uh, yeah, got to be considered the favorites in the Big 12 right here, right now. Yeah, I mean, that that's the other thing. Not only did they just get their first win ever inside Allen Fieldhouse, they're now at least on the path, in a good spot to, to win their first ever Big 12 regular season title. They've never done that. And um, they've never won a Big, 10, a, a Big 12 tournament title either. So, like, everything's on the table. You know, Scott's got a, a, a super high-level team, and I think it's been since 1950 uh, since Baylor was in the Final Four. I mean, even... Terry Teagle, great as he was, could not get Baylor um, to the Final Four. But but it's possible this team could get there. They're certainly good enough to get there. And I would say one last thing before we move on. Um, and it's something you said last week, and then I repeated on television. I hope you didn't mind me doing that. But 
you know, we have all these conversations throughout the season about who's really the best team. Is there a great team? And now here we are again. The truth is, Duke, if, if Trey Jones hits a runner instead of turns it over in the final seconds of overtime against Stephen F. Austin, Duke would be 16-0, and number one in all the computers, um, have wins over Kansas, Michigan State. It, they would be the unanimous number one with the obvious national player of the year. And we would be talking about Duke as if it's this, this great team under any circumstances. Right. And because of one possession, <laughs> literally one possession, we now like talk like nobody's good. And I, I do think that's worth pointing out, that, that Duke is that close to being what most of us would consider a great team. I would agree with you, and it's why I would put Duke number one right now, because the loss counts, and they were in a close game to begin with Stephen F. Austin, but if you're going to come down to the difference between one made shot and not a made shot, and a free kind of, the play itself that won Stephen F. Austin is just an awesome all-time play, but it was a little bit of a freakish play. Uh, that's why I land where I land. Uh, Baylor wasn't the only school to record a historic win this weekend. Clemson also did it. We're going to get into that next, but first, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. As we discussed, Baylor won for the first time uh, at Kansas this weekend, but that wasn't the only historic win of the weekend. Clemson also won for the first time in school history at North Carolina on Saturday. Final score, Clemson 79, UNC 76 in overtime. So Clemson is now, it's just funny to read this, 1-59 in 59 all time at North Carolina. And what was better than Clemson coach Brad Brunell screaming, it's over, it's over. It's a cool moment. I saw your tweet, which was perfect. But just uh, yeah. listen, Roy obviously took it hard afterward. Those North Carolina players are struggling. But nice moment for Clemson, nice moment for those players in that program. Yeah, it was certainly, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, cathartic for, for Brad Brownell. Uh, yeah, my tweet was, this is how I feel when I get both kids down by 8 o'clock, because it does feel like. But, and, and people who don't have young kids. They don't get it, but like, oh, my God. They have no idea. Like, you, listen, we, you, 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 love, you love your children. I love my children. Uh, we wouldn't trade them for anything or trade our circumstances for anything, I think. But um, you have no idea how great it feels. When your kids fall asleep, <laughs> when, when they fall asleep early, it's like it's like I, I I get off radio every day and I come home and I look so forward to seeing my children and hanging out. And we play games and we 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 just just we you know we have father son moments all night long. But in the rare time that I call my wife on the drive home and I'm like, so what are Oliver and Lou up to? And she's like, oh, they they both fell asleep in the car, so I just put them in bed. I'm like, oh man. 
This is going to be great. And it's great only because it's like what most normal people get to enjoy. It's like I get to come home and I don't I don't have to play Mario Kart all night. I get to come home and I, I don't have to um, color. I, I can just like act like a normal adult and do a normal adult adult things. Like it's an amazing thing. That's correct. Yes. There, there's a... Uh... <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a lot of truth to what you're saying there, um, but no, listen, I, a nice little moment in the in the limelight for Clemson here, getting the win. Weirdly, I mean, Baylor and Clemson collectively go in uh, to the weekend having never won at North Carolina and having never won at Kansas, a combined 0 and 76, and they come out 2 and 0. I mean, sports are just they're freaky sometimes when uh, when things happen like that, um, and you know, for Carolina, it's a it's a it's another. It's another low hit. I, I I get all that. They're still trying to get through these mystic rhythms of their season. It's it's bad for UNC. We've talked about it a lot. We saw a distant early warning of this once Cole Anthony went down, but I don't think we need to get too much into that. Um, vital signs. Are they si- going to win again? I don't know. Are the they vi- going to win again? Vital signs are obviously showing uh, for the Tar Heels. What if they never? What if they never win again? <laughs> they're going to. I, I gotta believe that they're going to win. At some, I'm not sure. They've got, they've got more than a ghost of a chance of winning again this season. I <laughs> believe personally, but um, here's the other thing. By the way, uh, I didn't. I'm sorry to admit this, but I didn't see one second of the game, and I'm and I'm like, I'm I'm angry like a completely logical human being at this because as because first of all, Carolina was was going to win this. I mean, it was up by like ten with two minutes to go or something like that. I mean, it was such a far cry for Clemson to even consider thinking it could win that game. And then just break after break, big shot, turnovers, and it just it collapses late. They go into overtime. But because the game was on ACC Network, I get – how about this? I get ESPN Plus, and it was blacked out in my own area. Like I had a, I had a GP Pac-12 Network moment over the weekend where I could not – I couldn't watch the game. I wanted to watch it, but I couldn't watch it, so – um, congrats to uh, to Clemson for getting the win. I mean, uh, for, for Brownell, like honestly, like it's a rough season. You're going through it. ACC's down. Um, this is, you know, obviously just a big, big, big time win here. It's more than just one little victory for Clemson itself. But um, but yeah, I, I, to me, it was the bigger story was Clemson actually doing it in this season. Like if it was ever going to happen, this was when it was going to happen. Uh, I was just annoyed that I was incapable of watching the game. I guess unless you were somehow regional to it or had the best cable package imaginable, you also were incapable of watching. Did you even get to see any of it? I, I did not see any of it. And the reason is I was on sideline at Marquette Seton Hall at the Prudential Center. And that, that I think I think my game started earlier than that game, but that game started during my game. Right. And then after the game, if I'm being honest, I uh, – Went to Dinosaur Barbecue. Dino BBQ. There you go. I went to Dinosaur Barbecue right outside the Prudential Center, table for one, and had dinner among Seton Hall and Marquette fans, and um, then followed it on Twitter. I, I, I remember, I think I remember seeing it while I was at dinner that Clemson had won. And, and you're exactly right. Um, they were up, North Carolina was up uh, 10 with 156 to play. It's a hard lead to blow. Jeez. I mean that's that's almost like Memphis. I mean it's worse than Memphis Kansas. You know Memphis Kansas, two thousand eight title game was up nine, less than two to play. This was up ten, less than two to play. Like you could play that game fifty times, and North Carolina or anybody probably doesn't blow that. But yeah, they blew it. They didn't foul. 
up three late. And I think that was Roy's main talking point after the game. And I wonder if he meant it this way. I'm not questioning his sincerity, but like he had been hard on those players earlier in the week. So they were the least gifted team he's ever coached at North Carolina. And then in this post game, he said that he let his players down. He said he didn't tell them to foul up three. And, you know, as a coach, you're supposed to help your players win. And he said he didn't think he helped his players. win. and then he went on to say that if he dies tomorrow, <laughs> he always if he dies tomorrow or 20 years from now, this will be the biggest regret in coaching he's ever had. Not putting his players in a position to win that game in regulation. Uh, I, I'm not looking for Roy to exit stage left t- tomorrow <laughs> or anytime soon. Um, yeah, that was that, with each passing game. Roy's quotes are getting honestly they're they're getting more depressing, and I understand that because he takes this stuff really hard. But he's got to just he knows the the roster and lack of talent he has overall, respective to previous teams. I get all that. Um, and you know UNC didn't display a lot of grace under pressure. I get that against Clemson, um, but they're just. T- I mean, overall the ACC is. We're going to talk to big, about the Big Ten a little bit. Like it, the ACC is almost the exact opposite of the Big Ten in terms of uh, strength this season. Uh, I think it's going to struggle to get four teams into the tournament. Uh, Virginia, like we were both all in on Virginia, whopping Syracuse. The signals were there, and we were quite wrong. Syracuse scored 20 points in a five-minute overtime after failing to get to 20 points in like 20 minutes of, of game time. It was uh, – Two different hemispheres, if you will, between overtime and the, and the second half of the game. So, yeah, bizarre. But, um, by, but By the way, I was not all in on Virginia whopping Syracuse. I thought Virginia was going to beat Syracuse. Oh, that's true. 31-10. 31-10. Th- <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, did, uh, did not quite happen like that. Uh, I don't even understand any of this stuff anymore. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I had some people on, on Twitter point out, like, you know, Virginia lost, you know, uh, three players early to them. I, like, I know. I, I, do you not think I know what Virginia lost? You, you, you still – you should still be better offensively than what Virginia is. And I say that with the, the most immense amount of respect for Tony Bennett. He's an amazing basketball coach, like literally one of the best basketball coaches in the world. It is just baffling that they cannot – score better than they score and i don't mean just like point total it's not just the point totals have you know are are, are annually smaller than than what we consider other great point totals for great teams because they play at such a slow pace but the offensive efficiency numbers are they're 229th in the country i mean I, i don't even know if there's a way to look this up but has a team ever gone from winning a national championship to 229th in the country in offensive efficiency the next season? It seems it's a pretty drastic. exceedingly unlikely because even if you're in a power conference and you're bad, you're still going to uh, – you almost you got to just have a fly-by-not op- operation to not even be like top 175, you know? So, no, I don't think it's ever happened. Like, like, what is the next worst in the ACC? Ooh, Boston College is worse. <laughs> the, the those poor, those poor guys. Uh, yeah. uh, but like, I guess one ninety-five Georgia Tech, one fifty-nine Clemson. So they're not even the worst in the ACC. But still, or, or the, or the, but, but, but like, still, I mean, they, they, they're, they won the national championship, and the year after winning it, um, two twenty-nine in the country in offensive efficiency. That's a pretty. Uh, rough number. You want to move on to the Big Ten? Oh, yeah, I do. 
<laughs> you're fired up. Are and you this fired is up? Be, I'm gonna have some. I'm gonna have some fun with this. Yeah, let's let's move on to the Big Ten here. Where, so do, you, where do you want to go with it I, here? So I'm just, you know, I'm not sure how closely people have been following the Big Ten outside of Big Ten fans, but the standings are as weird as it gets. <laughs> like Michigan State is alone in first, even though the Spartans just lost by 29 points at Purdue on Sunday afternoon. That was on CBS Sports, America's most watched network, network of stars. Ohio State has gone from number one at Kempom to one and four in the Big Ten, tied for last, but still seventh at Kempom. Rutgers is tied for third. So that's wild. And then Michigan, the only team that beat number one Gonzaga, is tied for ninth. There are 12 top 35 Kempom teams in the Big Ten right now. 12 teams between fifth and 35th. And Jerry Palm has nine of them um, going to the NCAA tournament at this moment. He's got Wisconsin just on the wrong side of the bubble. So this is, A, a great league but B, a league that seems wildly unpredictable at this point. Yeah, it's like, it's not like Twilight Zone or anything like that, but it's just weird to see what the Big Ten has become. Okay, so first of all, uh, Purdue just destroys Michigan State. Uh, You know, Michigan State looks just lackluster at the start of the game, and Purdue just hit a lot of big shots and big moments. Didn't have an amazing shooting game, but Travion Williams, after he goes for 36 and 20 uh, in an overtime effort loss against Michigan State, I mean against Michigan, excuse me, at Michigan a few days before, comes back has another strong game there. And so when Purdue was winning like this, I thought, you know what? Maybe for the pod on Sunday night, Parrish and I will try and I want us to guess right now. How we think the league will wind up when they get to the seeding of the Big Ten tournament, okay? So a lot, obviously a lot of these teams are going to wind up with the same record in the league because I think that's going to be unavoidable. But So we're going to just essentially try and predict 1-14 to 14 in the Big Ten because I sat, I sat down to do this and I was, I was second-guessing myself four teams in. I was lost in the trees, GP. So let's go. Let's go. You, me, you, me, you, me, and just see how different it gets and how quickly. So who's your right. one? Well, well, here's the thing. To your point, I didn't get too confused at the top. I felt okay there. But, like, when you get to the middle, you could reasonably have a, any team, 5th or 12th. Yeah. I mean, all, that might be an extreme. No, I, I, got, I, got, I got twisted by Team 3. Okay, so let's start. I, I've got Michigan State finishing first. Obviously, Michigan State. So we're each at one one. All right, two. I've got Maryland. Me too. Okay, three. Okay. I actually have Michigan. I have I think per- this- Okay, I have Purdue. Don't ask okay. me why. <laughs> Purdue, Purdue is like what is Purdue? Ten and seven. Ten and seven overall. Three and three in the Big Ten. Seventeenth at Ken Palm. They've got four top fifty Ken Palm wins: Michigan State, Minnesota, Virginia, VCU. But they've also lost to Nebraska. That's correct. <laughs> so like, what you, I don't even know what they're doing. Um, okay, th- th- but this will this will hammer home the point I made. Okay, so you've got Purdue third. I've got Purdue ninth. Okay, this is what exactly what I wanted to happen. You've got Michigan third. I've got Michigan fifth. Who do you have fourth? Ohio State. I have even Indi- though they can't they can't win anymore. I have Indiana. They can't. The win. idea, can't- new world, man. The idea, like two weeks ago, that I would have even remotely considered Ohio State below third. And I've got him six. Ohio State. Oh, the, uh, first of all, I don't even want to know your level of sexual attraction to Ohio State anymore. Eleven and five. I'm limp. I'm limp. Be, below that. 
I would have if I were going to to have to have a relationship with Ohio State right now, I would need to order roman.com. Okay. I'm going to have to get a roman.com subscription. Okay. There's nothing wrong with Ohio State. I'm in my 40s. There's nothing wrong. (laughs) Nothing to be ashamed of. Understood. Understood. Nothing to be ashamed of. I know. You're losing it. All right. Um, (laughs) Ohio State is number eight at Ken Palm and one in four in the Big Ten. Those are conflicting ideas there. So you've got Ohio State third? I have uh, – no, I've got Michigan third, Ohio State four. Four. I've got Indiana four. I've got Michigan five. I've got Ohio State six. Who do you have five and six? Illinois five. Shouts to Tom Fernelli. Yeah. Shouts to Will Leach. Yes. I got Illinois fifth. And I got Rutgers sixth. You got Rutgers sixth. I believe in Steve Peichel. We're not – look, I've got – okay, I got Illinois seven. Who do you have seven? I've got – Indiana seven. Okay, so you got Indiana seven. I got them four. So just to recap, because we're halfway through, my one to seven: Sparty, Terps, Purdue, Indiana. Don't ask me why. Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois. What's your one to seven? My one to seven is Michigan State, Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana. Rutgers at six. This is an amazing countdown. Uh, who do you have at eight? Wisconsin. I wonder if we're going to have any. We're going to probably have three. To- we might have three teams total be in the same ranking right now. It's just our one and two. I have got Iowa at eight. Okay, I've got Iowa down at 11. Yeah, see, this is where it gets, yeah, this is where it gets real slippery. Okay, yeah. nine. Purdue. Remember oh, yeah, Purdue. Purdue. I'm not seeing Purdue. I'm not seeing any way Purdue finishes gets a nine seed in the Big Ten tournament. I don't know. I've got Rutgers at nine. Rutgers, outside of Michigan State one, Maryland two, and the teams I have at 13 and 14, my most confidence like seed selection was like Rutgers nine. F yeah. Are you kidding me? Right there. Scarlet Knights, number nine. Okay. Um, so who do you have 10? Penn State. And how about this? I had Penn State in the top 25 and one. Like four days ago, and now I've got him tenth in the Big Ten. That's absurd. I've got I've got Bucky at ten, and I don't feel good about that either because I feel like Wisconsin might be the hardest team to actually peg in all of college basketball. Don't know what they're doing. Eleven is who? At eleven, I've got Iowa. Okay, Iowa. I've got I've got Penn State, and I'm not. I I had such reluctance about this. But it is so hard to assemble this league, to me, from 3, maybe 4 to 11, that I, I don't have a ton of confidence in Penn State being that low, but it's just it's where I wound up putting them because I don't even know how trustworthy they are. They're back-to-back losses at Rutgers, non-competitive, losing by 9 at home to Wisconsin. So I put the Nittany Lions 11. That means I got to think our, our 12 teams will be the same. Minnesota? Minnesota. Okay. By the way, Minnesota's not terrible at all. Um, Daniel Oturo's been on a tear as of late, and Minnesota just beat Michigan on Sunday. Minnesota is 3-3 in the Big Ten as we speak right now, and that means that Minnesota is tied with Purdue, ahead of Iowa, ahead of Michigan, ahead of Penn State, 
all ahead of Ohio State by like three games. <laughs> we all we all think that we both think that this is going to climb back. Okay, and then do we have the same thirteen and fourteen? Who's you? Who do you got there? I've got Northwestern thirteen, Nebraska fourteen, and I have the other way around. I have Nebraska at thirteen, and I have Northwestern at fourteen. Something tells me they'll wind up with the same record. Um, last thing for me on this, I've got Michigan State at. Number one, I think they're going to play 20 league games. I think 15 and five is where Sparty will land, and that's going to do it. They'll, I think they're going to finish one game ahead of Maryland at 14 and six. And at the other end, I got Northwestern, the worst team, still getting to four league wins, finishing at four and 16 overall. Yeah, like I, the, 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 I don't think the Big 12 will get 12 teams in the NCAA tournament. I just think they're going to somebody's going to fly the other way. But there are 12 teams on January 12th that the coaches can wake up tomorrow morning and believe they are in contention for a reasonably in contention for an NCAA tournament bid. And that's pretty wild. That's, that's insane. And particularly if you want to look at it from the net perspective, which is hardly everything at this point right now, the lowest ranked big 10 teams that uh, would project like to still have a chance. Minnesota's the worst and is 45th. Purdue right. is 43rd. Indiana's 37. And then it's just a clog, man. Penn State, Iowa, Illinois. Rutgers is 26th. The highest, obviously, Michigan State. And here's what's weird. Uh, entering the day, at least. Michigan State was 8th. So where you've got the Big Ten is the best league and by far the deepest league in the country. There is not a team that if you want to say if you're a top five team, you're an elite team, and maybe Michigan State is going to get there, but it ain't there right now. Uh, now after what it was incapable of doing on Sunday, I mean, you score 42 points. I don't care the opponent. It's bad look there. So, um, a, you know, a weird little dichotomy with the league being so good, so deep. But while we think of Michigan State and Maryland as like title contenders, they're not on the level of the teams we talked about at the top of this podcast. Well, I mean, like what happens Sunday is, and what we're talking about right now is, it, these are things that shouldn't be happening on the same day. We both believe Michigan State is the favorite and will win the Big Ten, and we both just watched them lose by 29 points. It's just stupid. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It's none, none, none at all. By the way, the website is not Roman.com. It's GetRoman.com. Okay, thanks for that clarification. I'm if sure you need to, if, you know, were, if you need okay. to get down and dirty with Ohio State on this four-game losing streak. GetRoman.com. Okay, there. Nothing uh, to be ashamed of, Orlander. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. It, I'm, not, I'm not saying that uh, that it is at all. I'm just saying if you find yourself late at night and you got to hook up with Ohio State on a four-game losing streak, GetRoman.com. I gotcha. Okay, fair enough. And maybe, maybe double dose it. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe overdose it. <laughs> You might have to overdose it. You got a review you want to read here? I do. I do. Okay. This one, this every Sunday, <laughs> for people who don't know, uh, we we pull a, a, a podcast review from Apple Podcasts uh, just to show our appreciation for the people who have taken the time to go over there and subscribe and rate it five stars and leave a nice comment. You could be the next person to get a shout out, just like Darn- Larnell in Chester, South Carolina. So this one... Uh, review this comes from Ben from Louisville. Ben from Louisville. This is what Ben wrote. So what's up, guys? I'm a diehard college basketball fan who has now been listening to the pod for more than five years. Today, though, I reluctantly submit this five-star review. What? This is what <laughs> after, you picked? 
after just reading a tweet from none other than the great Gary Parrish. On Monday night, in response to a viral tweet asking, what's your really, you haven't seen it movie, GP confessed that he had never seen Hoosiers. To make matters worse, he stated that he once interviewed the men, this is true, who inspired the film, even though he has not actually seen the film. Ben continues, I was gifted a copy of the movie for my birthday at a very young age and have seen it more times than I can count. GP, I won't attack you for this, but I will employ you to find some time after the season and sit down with your sons to watch this iconic basketball film for the first time. Considering you cover the sport for a living, <laughs> I feel as if you owe it to yourself. Norlander, I do not know if you have seen Hoosiers, but I sure hope you have. Shout out to Jimmy Ch- Chitwood. Keep up the good work. That's from Ben from Louisville. Is it ridiculous that I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast? Is it ridiculous that I'm a basketball ball writer who's never seen Hoosiers? A little bit. Hoosiers is really good. Not my favorite sports movie, uh, but it's solid. But see, now you are so far removed from when it was came out and there's all this hype around. Like, There's no way you're going to watch Hoosiers and be like, uh, what have I done for the past 30 years of my life? These regrets are just piling on top of my shoulder. That's not going to happen. But you should watch it. Uh, but as a side note, actually, mild shame on you from a journalistic perspective that you interviewed all these men and yet you didn't even like do the back work to watch the movie? What's the story there? Well, I, well okay, so it was at the Final Four in Indianapolis, like the last time it was in Indianapolis, whatever year that was, a few years ago. 2015, and- Duke, over, yeah, Duke over Wisconsin. I guess. Come I mean, on, I don't man. know. Kentucky's thirty-eight. No, Kentucky. Oh gosh, I, I do remember Kentucky, that. Yeah, yeah, Kentucky was undefeated. Willie Cauley Stein was on that team. Okay. Yep, Harrison. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't find out till the morning of that I was going to be interviewing the men who were on the. Is it Milan High? Milan High team. Yeah. Nineteen fifty-four, I believe. Nineteen fifty-four Milan High team that um, inspired the film Hoosier. So it's like, hey, I, I, like I say the morning of, it might have been the afternoon of, it, it might have been something like, hey, in three hours when we get off this set, um, you're going to talk to so-and-so and so-and-so on-camera interview. They inspired Hoosier. So I was like, uh, okay, sure, I can do that. And it, so I didn't have time to watch the movie, uh, but it did occur to me, geez, I've never even seen this movie. Uh, but so then I just read everything I could find. So by the time I talked to them, I was well prepared to talk to them. And they were delightful men. Uh, like you, you, you might think that when you're those guys and like your entire life has been built around telling these stories, like you're, every time you meet somebody, somebody points out to, the, to this new person, hey, you know, he was on that team that inspired the movie Hoosiers. And you got to tell that story of 55 bazillion times you might think they get tired of it and if they do they didn't show it they were delightful they were funny they were kind i, I love those men um even if i can't remember their names at this moment but i i, I found them to be uh, awesome and enjoyable but it did not even after talking to them make me want to go watch the movie i just never watched the movie it's not like i boycotted it i just never i've never seen it okay let's do this real quick here this is off the fly so remember uh like some years back afi there was like this whole like tv series about the 100 greatest movies of all time sure okay i'm not gonna go to the top 100 but let's just see let's see the highest rated one that you haven't seen all right okay. well number yeah. one citizen kane i assume you've seen citizen kane i've seen citizen okay, kane so yes. have i Casablanca. I've seen that. Have you seen Casablanca? I saw it when I was a kid. I don't remember. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I watched it once, and, and so we move on. Godfather, number three. Of course. I've also seen The Godfather. Gone with the Wind, number four. Yes. I can't say that I've seen all of Gone with the Wind, but I know I've seen some of it. Right. Same is, the same is true of number five, Lawrence of Arabia. 
I don't believe I've ever seen that. Don't say okay, but even though that's considered a top five, I I don't like. How often are people really talking about Lawrence of Arabia? Like that's just it, not it, outside of this conversation <laughs> right now on a college basketball podcast. <laughs> six, I six. See, see, six is Wizard of Oz. We've both seen that, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, seven. Wow, higher than I thought, but I definitely have seen it. Great soundtrack, The Graduate. Of course. Yes. Uh, eight. I definitely watched. Uh, Specifically in school for theater on the waterfront. Yes. Yes. Nine. I know I haven't seen all of it, but I've watched it before in parts. Schindler's List. I have seen Schindler's List. Yes. Ten. Singing in the Rain. I've seen it, but I don't remember it. But I know I've seen it when I was a I've kid. I've definitely seen it. Number eleven. All right, Seth Davis. Here's your movie. It's a Wonderful Life. Obviously, we've both seen it. It's a Wonderful I've Life. Seen, I've I know I've seen it live tweeted. Annually, just yes. Seth. Yes, I'm very familiar. You know what? I don't think I've seen 12. Sunset Boulevard. I feel like I have seen Sunset Boulevard, but I don't remember it. But I feel like I have seen it. Bridge on the River, Bridge on the River Kwai. I don't think I've seen that's that. Actually, that's a good movie. Uh, 14, Some Like It Hot. That's good. Seen that. You seen it? So, I don't know. Eh, okay. How about Star Wars at 15? I, I, I saw all the early Star Wars and was like a Star Wars freak. When I was a child, but I've I haven't seen any of the like, like like the last however many Star Wars you have. Um, no, I never the went ones around them. the turn of the century were just whatever. Uh, I have not seen the most recent one, but like the new the newer ones actually I think are, are pretty solid overall. Like what what were the first three? You... Like like does it go one two three and three's Return of the Jedi? That's correct. But... I think that's where I just decided I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I just said, all right, that's enough. Actually, there's a lot of like, I'm not a diehard Star Wars guy by any means, but there's a lot of people that would be like, they, you're better off for that. But technically, the ones at the turn of the century, they're four, five, and six in terms of when they're released, but they are one, two, three in chronological order. Like, so if you were to reorder and all that stuff or whatever. A um, couple more here. I don't even know. I've never heard of 16. All About Eve? I don't know. No that. idea. African Queen, I've seen. You seen the African Queen? I don't think I've seen yeah, that. That's all right. Psycho. Yeah. Of course, yes. Of course, Chinatown. I don't think Go, so. That's uh, that's uh, that's definitely one. Chinatown and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest at twenty. You got to see that. Yes, I've seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's. Here's so we we talked about this. I guess it was last Monday when I tweeted about this, and then we opened my radio show last Tuesday on it. And my producer Bennett Doyle and I sort of went through and just named some of the most famous movies, not necessarily best, but famous movies that we'd never seen. Yes. Okay. And. Like I, my list obviously included Hoosiers. Also, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've never seen it. That's eh, worth it. I think my so my movie that is the highest rated and clearly like has a has such critical appeal and big following. I've never seen Godfather Part Two. I've seen the Godfather. <laughs> Why would you watch one but then not I two? just never got around to it. I don't know what to tell you. So Godfather well, I mean, you've Part, been, you've been you've been disabled for two months. You couldn't watch incorrect. it. Incorrect. You were disabled. Incorrect. I did not get to ski because it, it was like seventy degrees in the Northeast. It was ridiculous. What are we doing you here? Know, when I, when I left New York on Thursday, it was four degrees. Freezing. <laughs> when I got back to New York on Friday, it was like eighty. It's stupid. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Dumb. So Nothing, it's dumber. It's dumber than. Then, then Purdue in Wisconsin. <laughs> Resume. Quite, quite dumb. Uh, but aside from Godfather Part Two, I don't know. Oh, actually, there's another one, like Taxi Driver, forty-seven on this list. I've never oh. seen Taxi Driver. Um, 
Like in terms of famous ones that it feels like everybody around my age has seen, I had never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Day off. I'd never seen um, Titanic. I'd never uh, seen. Okay, yeah, like Titanic. That was like. Do you realize that when that movie came out, I was in high school when that came out, that it was in the theater like seven, eight months because people would go and see it, and see, so it was. It was as deeply embedded in the culture as really any movie I can ever remember. Like I, it was the kind of thing where you would go and just be like, "Yeah, you know, let's go watch Titanic." I can't explain it. I'm just telling you how it was. So I'm actually surprised that you never saw that. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the scenes. I know how it ends, but I've never sat down and watched it front to uh, front to back. Um, what were some other ones that I had never seen that people were surprised by? Uh, Dumb and Dumber. You know, people quote it all the I, time. I want to end the podcast right now. Are you freaking kidding me? I've never seen like. People Are you kidding me? Never seen what? That, never, never seen it. Should it's, I? Is it, does, it, does it matter? It's one of the, and I don't want to hear anything from the naysayers. That is one of the five funniest movies of all time. Are you kidding what? me? What? Come Dumb on. Dumb and Dumber is, abs- dude, it is absurdly good and as rewatchable as maybe any movie ever. I cannot believe you've never seen Dumb and Dumber. This is never. this is this is an actual outrage. <laughs> what are you doing? What? I, I, I never. I don't know. I never watched it. I, wow. I did. Like same thing I say about the uh, about Hoosiers. I didn't boycott it. I just never actually sat down and watched it. I got you. No, I'm 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 actually pissed about the Dumb and Dumber stuff. Like that's that's. I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do with you right now. I, I, I apologize. I apologize. You need to watch that movie as soon as possible. As soon as possible. You like fly tonight? back to New York tomorrow. Watch it on your flight. You can buy it on iTunes. I'm trying to get through the second season of You. I don't. Nah, get out of here with that. You can probably stream. I assume it's on any of these streaming services. I want at Gary Bear CBS on yeah. Twitter. Let this man know. What are you doing, man? What are you doing with your life? I, I, you saw like Ace Ventura, The Mask. You saw all those, right? I, I honestly, I honestly don't know what I'm doing with my life. Okay, but you've seen all the other like major Jim Carrey comedies from the '90s, right? Of course. Okay. And I, yes, Dumb and Dumber is by far the best of them all. So I don't know what you're doing with your life. Dumb and Dumber is the best Jim Carrey movie. Uh, it's the best Jim Carrey comedy. Yes. What yes. was the Jim Carrey movie where he got super weird with a serious guy? Uh, are you talking about, no the the best Jim Carrey movie is probably when uh, Man on the Moon. Are you talking about when he oh, did Andy Kaufman? Yeah. yeah, well I've seen that. Oh, that but you're great. talking about um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That was great, but that's not what I was talking about. But that was that was great. I'll tell you what I was talking about. Oh, you talking? Are you talking about Truman Show? No, but I like that too. Truman Show's good. Yeah. Um, I am talking about the serious guy. I felt like he played a serious. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm just making that up. I don't know. I think I may be making that up. Okay. Maybe it was Adam Sandler that played a series. Yeah, guy. that was Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, That's I enjoyed good. that. <laughs> Even though it's good. got nothing to do with what we're talking about. Nothing to do but with I enjoyed what we're Punch Drunk about. Love. Have you seen all of the notable Adam Sandler movies? I think so. Happy? I mean, I haven't seen the new one. No, no, no but like the the 90s ones, you know. Happy Gilmore. Of course. Yes, yes, all yes, those, yes. All those good ones. Yes. All right, yes. I'll have to think about it. Godfather 2 is probably my biggest, like, mega movie that I've never seen. But yeah, that, that's actually, like, great. It's not even like, um, oh, you got to see it because it's, uh, it, you know, whatever. Like, it's actually, like, you'll enjoy it. It's terrific. Yeah. No, I, I, I got to I gotta check it off the list. That's that's by far the biggest one. Last one for you. It's like, uh, tell me you've seen, like, Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Okay. All right. That's That's, like, 
that's got to be near the top. I think that rates as the like the Rotten Tomatoes best movie ever, or something like that. Like it's way way so, up there. So, okay. hey, this well, is uh, a college basketball podcast, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I guess it used to be. It used to be. <laughs> it used to be. So but... here here's the promise to everybody. I will at some point over the next two weeks. Give me some time. I will watch Hoosiers and Dumb and Dumber and Norlander. Has to watch Godfather 2 at some point. I can make that. Listen, all the world's indeed a stage, and we are merely players, performers and portrayers, each another audience outside the Gilding Cage. Okay? I got you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't forget, I'm going to be in studio, CBS Sports Network again this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, flying back to New York on Monday. We got a doubleheader Tuesday, VCU at Dayton, then Wyoming at Nevada. Dayton up to number six at Kempom, by the way. Legit Final Four contender. Since you enjoy talking about all the stuff I was wrong about earlier, do you remember right after the Maui Invitational, me coming on here and saying, listen, the computers haven't caught up with it yet. I'm just telling you, Dayton is a legitimate top 10 team. They looked the part. And now, guess what? The computers have caught up with it. Number six at, Kim- at Kempom, third in offensive efficiency, shooting 59 one uh, uh, the effective field goal percentage is 59.1. That ranks first nationally. They're shooting 62.3% from two. That ranks first nationally. Obi Toppin is a real one. Legit National Player of the Year candidate. Likely lottery pick. Dayton Flyers are legit. You on board with them? Yeah, I've been on board with them since since Maui. So I'm, I'm there with you. And now they're even further ahead in the A-10 just uh, – URI has beaten VCU seven of the past eight games, which I was unaware of until I saw URI won at VCU. And because of that, it's created even more separation in the A-10. I'm in on Dayton, and um, I'd love to just see them in this kind of weird season uh, continue to go with this. And it'd be great if, if Dayton managed to get like a 2C, 3C, 4C. I think that'd be awesome. They're obviously capable of it. But, uh, yeah, certainly, you know, big, big, big game ahead on Tuesday against VCU. And VCU needs it. Big time to even try and keep foot uh, for the top of the league. So that's the doubleheader Tuesday night, CBS Sports Network, VCU at Dayton, then Wyoming at Nevada. I'll be in studio, and then we will either late, late Tuesday or, or at some point Wednesday record the next podcast. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Ben from Louisville. Please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. Rated favorably, five stars, nice comments, and we will talk to you again middle of the week. Till then, take care. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.